Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Make It Kind. Make It Kind. M-I-P. With Massimella Mark Thompson. Make It Kind. Get woke. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the podcast, Make It Plain. We are honored to have with us a very special guest in the midst of the declaration of Joe Biden being the winner of the president's election over the weekend. I know many, many people were very, very uh, excited about that, um, feeling that it was about time. We've gotten no signal as of yet that Trump is going to concede. Now, many of you have heard me talk about um, the judicial system in terms of who was doing the real court court packing. That was Trump and McConnell. Um, And in doing so, I was explaining to a number of you that we have two national bar associations. One is American Bar Association, which was segregated for many years, which led to the founding of the one we're going to talk to today, the National Bar Association. Um, That's African-American lawyers, attorneys and what have you. But as I have been emphasizing of these 200 some odd judges that Trump and McConnell forced into the judiciary, even the white bar association, the American Bar Association said that many of them were not even qualified to sit on the bench. And I don't know that there's ever been a time in history that that has happened in such a large number, even from the ABA. But today we're gonna talk to the NBA. She is also the first woman, Kamala Harris is the first woman vice president. My guest is the first woman chair of the board of the Rainbow Push Coalition as well, a very capable and successful attorney. And we were just connecting on our uh, Georgetown Hoya Saxa connections. I served with her brother, Sid, on Coach Thompson's basketball team as a manager while she was in Hoya Law School. So that make, this is family. So that makes it even sweeter. 
the president of the NBA, the National Bar Association, joins us on Make It Plain. C.K. Hoffler is here. C.K., how are you? I am fine, and I am so honored to be on your podcast. I've known you for years and followed you for years and so appreciate all that you do in the community. Um, that you've known my brother since he was in college and when I was in law school is an added bonus, but I just love and respect what you do. And so it's, it's really, truly an honor for me to be here today. And while we have a lot to celebrate, we have a, a lot of work ahead of us. We actually have more work ahead of us now than we mm. had before the presidential election. Um, I, I want to get into that, but of course, I'm honored to be with you, too. Um, and it's congratulations on becoming the president of the NBA. Congratulations on chairing the Rainbow Push Coalition. Um, your name is coming up in more and more conversations I'm having every day with attorneys and the civil rights community. So not only do I have a great deal of respect for you, but when your name is mentioned that way, a whole lot of people do. Uh, and we're thankful that you're in the leadership roles that, that you are in. Um, but let's start with what you said. That's important what you said. Folks, she said we have even more work to do now. Please, CK, expound on that. Well, all eyes are on Georgia. I happen to live in the Atlanta metropolitan area. Ooh. We have two Senate races, um, John Ossoff and, and Reverend Raphael Warnock. If they win the Senate race here in Georgia, that's going to completely change the trajectory of how the Biden-Harris presidential uh, and vice presidential, um, the trajectory of their leadership and their ability to effectuate change and to get things through Congress, through the Senate, that's going to be a game changer for sure. And so when I say we have more work to do now than ever, voter suppression and election suppression was at an all-time high during the presidential election. The National Bar Association had over 7,000 lawyers out there um, doing, playing their part in our communities in different ways during COVID. Now, some people were actually out in the field and other people were, you know, doing research, helping with legal teams and all that kind of stuff. And others were in their communities. Sometimes we had to, uh, people did viral townhouse meetings and the like to get out the word about protecting the right to vote, things that people needed to do. And that has been our journey for a few months here. In addition to providing protective gear, we had designated seven of the hardest hit cities relative to COVID in our underprivileged um, communities. And we sent protective gear out there. We, I mean, our black lawyers were doing everything possible in this country to protect the right to vote. And for that, I'm just extremely proud. And so that was for the presidential election. So where are we with Georgia? All eyes are on Georgia. And we know that those forces who are trying to suppress the vote are going to double their efforts in Georgia because of what's at stake. So in January, January 3rd, I believe, it is January 3rd, we will have the runoff in um, here in Georgia. There are troops descending upon Georgia right now as we speak. You know, I gave myself 24 hours after, the, you know, when, when it was announced who the winner was, even though we, we, we thought we knew who the winner was, but when it's announced by the media, that's got to be confirmed, we understand that and certified. Then I said, I'm taking 24 hours just to rest because I hadn't slept more than two or three hours in days, like most of us who are out there and who were affecting, trying to affect the right to vote. So, and ensuring and protecting people's right to vote, especially in black and brown communities. So 24 hours was all the time that people have given themselves to rest, but now 
they are descending upon Georgia and for good reason. And so what that means is routinely people vote in the presidential election and they don't even worry so much about the interim elections. We've got to change that. We have to change the mindset. We have to have an effort to get out the vote because people really, it took such energy to get people to vote early, to get people vote by ballot. We don't trust the mail, but to drop box and all of that so that we had the incredible result that we had. Just think about this for a moment. By and large, black and brown people voted early and they voted by Dropbox and they voted with the mail and that made a difference and Biden-Harris won. Period. End of discussion. There's no, well, we have, period. End of discussion. Mm -hmm. So now we've got the short window, two months, less than two months really, to, to firm up the vote here in Georgia. And so we have heard about militia groups, white supremacy groups that are talking about abducting young black men, young black women, but the focus is on young black men and that we have to be on high alert. Well, if you live in the South and in the deep South, you know about these issues anyway, but now through reliable sources, through the NAACP and other organizations, we are getting information that we have to be careful. This is all intimidation. This is all voter suppression, election suppression, and it's not acceptable. So I have sent and issued a clarion call to our over 66,000 black lawyers that are in this country, and we will continue to do that, that we must continue to protect the right to vote. It's not over. It's far from being over. And this is extremely important. So that's what I mean by our work ahead of us. We can't rest on our loyals. I give myself 24 hours because it's our entire community. It's not just the black lawyers or the black doctors who are on point, by the way, with COVID or you know political people or election people in different states. It's all of us, our entire community descending. And now all arrows point to Georgia. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I think that election in Georgia, that runoff for those two seats, at this hour is as important as just as what happened on November 3rd. Yes. Because if you don't um, get Ossoff and Warnock in the Senate, have a majority, McConnell's already said he's gonna even block cabinet appointments. Yes. So they'll continue to obstruct the, see the other thing folks have saying about National Bar Association, that's where competent and qualified um, um, prosecutors and judges can come from to employing the government. And so if you don't have a Senate majority, then you don't have, if Biden doesn't, Biden and Harris don't have one, then you're not able to appoint a diverse array of lawyers and judges in the first place, because we know the Republicans are going to block them. Right, CK? Or anyone who needs Senate confirmation. I mean, imagine that. So we've got to, and there's, and we all know this new emerging movement to challenge the results of the elections right. where the president is threatening to hold rallies. I mean, he's already said he would tell his people, well, let's just stand by and let's see what we would do. He announced this at the last presidential debate. Right. So we knew this was coming, but when it's here, it, it is, it is perhaps scarier because the, the, the life and the health of a nation sort of lies in the balance. And to be this vindictive, I mean, when you lose, you lose. No one likes to lose. But when, you know, the, the ironically, some of the states where they're challenging 
are states that the governors are Republican and the secretary of state are Republican. The people who administered the elections in Georgia, Republican, Republican, and then how about Republican? Yeah. You know, our governor is a person who questionably beat Stacey Abrams. So we know what's going on there and his secretary of state, the people who administered the, the, the elections here. In Arizona, the people administered the elections there are Republicans. So this notion that we are challenging the results of the elections, no matter what, even if it's our own party, even if it's our own close friends, even if it's our close allies, is just sour grapes, unacceptable and not what this country should be about. So we've got to put that aside and be monolithic and focused on what we need to do in terms of communities and people who believe in protecting the right to vote. Because I want people to understand that's what's at stake. It's not just... Republican and Democrat, that's not what I'm talking about. The National Bar Association is non, has to be nonpartisan in what it's doing. We are protecting the right to vote. Those black and brown voters, those voters that came out and voted in this election in record numbers in Georgia that turned Georgia from one to another, it's really not about being partisan, it's about people voting. And so those people, again, need to feel that they can vote without threat of intimidation, without seeing guns at the polls, because we're in Georgia. So we know people can carry guns, do whatever, whatever, even in the poll. And sometimes the police are not a constructive force. One of the things that the National Bar did in, in conjunction with the Advancement Project is we were negotiating MOUs, Memorandum of Understanding, with policing departments throughout the country because we wanted the, the police to be a constructive presence and not destructive and not one of intimidation. So... Whatever we saw in the presidential is going to get worse and we have to be prepared. Let me tell you, I live down the street in Brookhaven and there's a target right down the street from me. That target was boarded up from head to toe. I mean, just boarded up completely because they were expecting, I guess, protests and riots as a result of the presidential elections and with whatever the results were. Well, all those, all those stores that were hit previously by riots and that were concerned in Atlanta, None of that happened. Mm -hmm. It was all peaceful. We didn't see, I was on the um, National Command Center for the Lawyers Committee on Civil Rights as well. So we were seeing all of the complaints that were being escalated up, 1-866-OUR-VOTE. We were seeing all of those and there wasn't violence. There was a lot of intimidation at the polls, don't get me wrong. There were a lot of shenanigans at the polls. There was a lot of chicanery, but there wasn't violence. The, the, the lawyers and callers, the role, and you can appreciate this, Mark, the role of the clergy this time, the religious leaders, incredible in de-escalating situations at the polls. So we're going to need all that because let's think about this. We have Reverend Raphael Warnock, who's running. Mm -hmm. Minister, senior pastor of Ebenezer Church, mm -hmm. Dr. King's Church mm -hmm. in Atlanta. I'm getting just you know, goosebumps when I'm talking about this. Come on. In Atlanta. Yeah. In Atlanta, Georgia. Georgia, well, Atlanta is the breadbasket of the civil rights movement, some would say. The home of the late Congressman John Lewis. We are right here in this place where this is playing out. So we can't rest on our loyals. Laurel, we have to see justice. Wherever, as long as everybody votes, whatever the results are, they are. Because our concern is making sure that everybody feels like they can vote, they can get to the polls, free of intimidation, free of having a gun to their head and free of feeling somehow that there's going to be danger because that's not what we're about in this country. That's not what we should be about. Children shouldn't feel, and like me, I have two sons. I have to feel like I've got to put in place extra measures to protect my children. Well, you know I'm going to do it. 
But we shouldn't have to feel that way simply for exercising the right to vote. That's what it is, the right to vote. Yeah, yeah. No, no, very powerfully put. Um, have you, and obviously no judges have yet either, mm-hmm. but you've seen not one ounce of merit in any of the um, suits that the Trump campaign has filed. Now, my understanding is one they filed in Georgia was literally over 53 ballots. That's right. And in Chatham County, and a judge didn't even give that any merit, right? Uh, that, that, that's correct. Now, let me just say this. I haven't looked at all of them, but I have had access to, you know, look at some of them. They're not going to have any real merit. And, and again, people do have the right. There's one thing about this country that we love. You do have the right to file suit. You do have the right to bring challenges. You do have the right to complain when something is wrong. You also have the right to throw something out of your judge when it's ridiculous. Some of these complaints are poorly, and again, not being critical of any lawyer and what they're doing. That's not what this is about. But if you're going to get out there, if you're going to go out there, if you're going to file something at this time, then you do open up yourself to people scrutinizing and looking at what you've done. A lot of the complaints just made no sense at all. And so there was you have to when you bring a complaint, there's got to be there's a a requirement in every state. I'm only licensed in five states, but I've done cases nationally and every place I've ever been. You have to have what we call a good faith basis for bringing a claim. You can't just say, well, what happened was I think, well, it will. no, there's got to be good faith. There's got to be some form of modicum of evidence, not what you suspect, not what you speculate, not, not when it comes to voting, when you're making allegations of voter fraud. That's very serious. And by the way, in Georgia, you're pointing your finger at a Republican governor. And a Repo- I mean, if that's what you're trying to do, if you're saying because it starts at the top. It ends at the top. You are accusing right. them of fraud. I'm certain that that's not the intent. But when filing these complaints that had very little merit, they, you know, you get what you re- you receive, what you put in. Many of them were dismissed. I don't believe that any of the pending lawsuits will change the outcome of the elections. That's the key. Will they change the outcome of the elections? And the answer is going to be a resounding no. I think what needs to happen is, and I know, again, we're all sore losers. Anyone who's a, you know, Willie Gary, who I practiced with for years and still try cases with said, you show me a good loser and I'll show you a loser. I mean, I hate to put it that way. <laughs> Nobody wants to lose. So let's just, we, we get that. We get that. But in a democracy, in a democracy, when there's an election, somebody's going to win and someone's not going to win. Mm-hmm. And to simply say, I'm not going, you can't force me. Well, you know, there are measures within our constitution and within this country that one hopes not to have to exercise to yeah. remove the president from if he fails to go of his own volition. But, you know, we don't want a civil war because what I see, and I am not a conspiracist theory, theorist at all. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, that's not how I vote. I really don't. But what I see is the positioning of a lot of discomfort and a racial divide here, the growing the, the, of the schism, as opposed to us coming together as a country. And that's what I see all of these threats of these town hall meetings, people lining up without having proper information, these lawsuits being filed. There are always challenges to presidential elections. There always are. But they have, and that's why the Biden-Harris camp insisted on, let's wait till the end. People could have called the election 
almost on election night, but they didn't. They wanted to wait until the end, until the votes were counted, until there was certainty that, that there would not be an ability for either side to say, well, you know, we, we didn't give it. So that's why I think there's going to be no chance of any of these legal challenges surviving and changing the outcome. That doesn't stop people from saying what they want to say, doing what they want to do and being obstructionist. But I don't think that there's any any possibility in my humble impression that they will that they will cause a change in the result of the elections. Um, just to, to, to be clear um, and um, for the sake of our audience, from what I'm able uh, to glean, um, just about every suit has been thrown out except for a couple of uh, technicalities in um, Philadelphia. Right. Uh, but but beyond that, and, and those are a little bit questionable, just about everything, Philadelphia, Michigan, Nevada, Arizona have pretty much been thrown out even in Georgia. Let right. me ask you this, as a National Bar Association is, is poised to protect our voting rights, um, is it also the protocol that if, well, I guess it would be, if if, if there are um, continuing suits from the Trump campaign challenging voters, eligible voters and ballots, will the National Bar Association be poised if necessary to weigh in on some Absolutely. of those matters? Absolutely. We have had lawyers ready and in, in what we call the rapid response mode. So rapid response, jump in. We got more trial lawyers. We have so many trial lawyers in the National Bar Association until it's 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 really uncanny. We have teamed up with the Lawyers Committee on Civil Rights. You know, we have a lot of coalition partnerships that um, that uh, enable us all to be poised because we have to have a coordinated effort. You don't want to have 10 groups doing the same thing. But the National Bar members, by the way, some National Bar members have been involved in some of this litigation. You know, what we don't see, we don't see some of the lawyers who are bringing, who brought successfully some of the litigation in Pennsylvania. We just saw the results. Those were black lawyers. Mm -hmm. So I say that because throughout the country, the National Bar lawyers have been poised. We're just poised and ready. You know, there's, there are groups like Fair Fight, the Southern Poverty Law Center, Lawyers Committee on Civil Rights, the NAACP. All of these organizations are ready and poised to fight and have been fighting. So on behalf of the National Bar Association, this was our mandate. We got our mandate from the late Congressman John Lewis and Reverend Jesse Jackson. March 2nd, 2020, you know, Mark, who knew that that would be the last time that I would see this magnificent Congressman John Lewis in his office in Atlanta. I met with he and Reverend Jackson because both of them were going to speak on our election protection series um, at our annual conference in July, which turned out to be virtual. And so because I was going to be sworn in at the end of July, I asked both of these civil rights icons, I asked them for guidance. I asked them for guidance in terms of the priorities that I should execute and are in my mandate as president of the National Bar Association and with the election protection effort. And this is what they both said. They said, we marched, we did our part so the people could vote. It is up to African-American and black lawyers in this country to protect the right to vote. That's what you need to do. That was on March 2nd, 2020. Mm -hmm. I was sworn, and I chaired the election protection effort last year when I was president-elect. So they didn't need to tell me twice. And that is what we did. So by the time we got to all this, 
you know, what we're doing now. We were poised. We were ready. We formed alliances with the divine nine. I have to share this, Mark, with you. The yeah. divine nine, the AKA stepped up to the plate first. Over 800 women, AKA lawyers, registered and worked with the NASA bar. The Kappa said, you know, we're not, we're not gonna be outdone. The Kappas came on board, the Qs came on board, the Alphas came on board, the Deltas came on board. So you see, and we, and we are continuing that alliance because it was successful. It was successful to see the divine nine step up. So we, you know, we just believe in coalition groups. We also formed a partnership or coalition with AHA, just trial lawyers, trial lawyers who believe and protecting the right to vote. So this was not haphazard. This was by design, our efforts. The National Bar Association has always been on point when it came to election protection. We just took it to a different level this time, broadened our coalition because the stakes were higher. I don't, in my lifetime, I never really felt like, like democracy was at stake as much as this election. That I never really felt that there was a need on this level for black lawyers to step up to the plate. We've always been there, but step up, elevate our efforts and refuse to be denied. Be there for our communities. Because there's one thing that no other profession, Mark, you know this can do other than us. Yeah, yeah. Go into court. Let's go into court. Now you can go pro se, but we have the ability to litigate issues, to defend issues, because that's what our license allows us to do. Yeah, well, in terms of pro se, what's the saying? The, the 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 client who represents her or himself has a, 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 a has a food for a client. I don't I don't have it. <laughs> but, well, I, I choose to say because you know I've I've seen some pro se litigants who are quite effective. Okay. Everybody has a right to you know have their day in court, but I think in in these types of cases we do need representation and a coordinated okay. effort. And 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 again, we're not fighting for something crazy. We're just fighting for people to have the right to vote. Right. Let's be able to vote. Not and and because of Shelby County. Let me just go a little deeper. Shelby County versus Holder. To that 2013 decision that people just hear, you know, folks say, "Yeah, Shelby, Shelby," but they may not really understand the significance of Shelby. Before Shelby, the states, if they they had it, there was a pre-clearance process, like when the states were doing things with the elections, because the elections before Shelby had within them um, measures to protect against discrimination of the processing of the elections. Why? We had the Voting Rights Act of 1965, but as you know, that wasn't enough because there were still states that probably said, well, you know, we don't know anything about black people, you know, being able to vote. Just like women had the right to vote 100 years ago, black women didn't have the right to vote 100 years ago. Latino women didn't have the right to vote 100 years ago. So we got the right to vote 1965, and then it took other things. So what Shelby did, which was a travesty, what Shelby did, what that opinion did, it dismantled many, in, 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 in pertinent part, the Civil Rights Act of 1965. Mm -hmm. You said, I'm not the Civil Rights Act, I'm sorry, the Voting Rights Act. Of voting Rights Act, right, correct. Right. I'm sorry, I said Civil Rights, I meant the Voting Rights Act. Yeah, voting, right. Civil Rights, voting Rights, so similar, but it was the Voting Rights. That opinion focused on the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Mm -hmm. And Justice Ginsburg, may she rest in peace, she's up there with, you know, Congressman Lewis and C.T. Vivian and all, you know, all of these extraordinary leaders who marched, who protested, who were subjected to horrific um, things happening to them because 
they believed in our ability to have the right to vote. And that's why for me, there's so much passion with our members and wanting to protect that. But that opinion dismantled that. And in her crushing dissenting opinion, Justice Ginsburg said, taking away, the, I'm paraphrasing, the preclearances that existed is like putting down, taking away, putting down your umbrella in the midst of a storm mm -hmm. because it didn't get wet. Right. The pre-clearances, and let's talk about why that's important. We can trace back the election suppression that we're seeing right now to that opinion in 2013. All those polling stations that closed in our communities, all of the stuff that we're seeing where in some states they require quadruple examples that it's you when you're voting and all this craziness, like in North Carolina, you must have an exact signature. Well, signature is the same year after year, but in any event, all of these requirements the states are putting in place it's because of the Shelby decision where things were dismantled. Despite all of that, despite all of that, people came out and voted because they refused to be denied. So that momentum, that tells you the intensity and the fervor with which people were tired of what was going on. People came out and voted early voting during COVID. Yeah. I mean, Mark, during COVID. They did. Since they were putting their lives online, you know, I remember seeing at some stations people who probably had one mask that they've had for six or seven months. We know that mask isn't working. You know those little blue masks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know they have a shelf life of not too long, mm -hmm. and so that's why the National Guard we were giving out masks. We were sending masks to communities because you know we recognize that not everybody's in a position to buy a whole bunch of masks to substitute them. We know there was a massive disinformation campaign. There was robocalling telling people vote on November 7th. What? How about the robocalls that went out and said, yeah, it costs you to vote. Yeah. You, pay. yeah. you know, all of these things, that's disinformation targeted at black and brown communities. Most significantly in the Latino community. How about all of the, the misinformation saying, if you vote for Biden-Harris, it's going to be like being in Cuba during Castro, it's going to be like being in Venezuela. It's going to be, this is going to be socialism at its peak. They're going to oppress you and all this kind of stuff. That was the messaging in the Latino community. And it resonated with some. It really did. Mm -hmm. So that's what we would call disinformation. But, you know, in this country, people have a right to say whatever they want to say. And that's the thing. So so I say all of that, Mark, to say we our workers cut out for us in Georgia. We don't have a lot of time. Um, before we wind up, do you have any thoughts or analysis on some of the legal issues Trump and his family are going to face once he leaves office? You know, I, I think one of the reasons, to be honest, folk don't want to go nowhere. Mm -hmm. See, because they know if they can hang in there in that White House, they may not be prosecuted <laughs> as readily. I think that's a serious fear and anxiety on his part. Do you have any thoughts about any of those cases? Um, I in New York, some of the sexual assault cases. What What are your thoughts? Um, I haven't. I, I was saying in all candor, I haven't analyzed those cases because I don't sit, spend a lot of time analyzing things like that that pertain to the president. But I will say this: the New York Attorney General, Letitia James, yes, she doesn't play. I just will say that <laughs> there are other Attorney Generals who are serious. This is not play play. And what has struck me consistently over the past four years was the blatant, just the audacity to use Vice President, soon to be Kamala Harris's word, the audacity of our president to do some of the things he and his family do some of the things he said. 
I've never even heard of in the history of this country. <laughs> a sitting president is going to use his facilities, his personal hotels, whenever to do official state business. Right, right. Just a whole host of things that he and his family members who are his senior advisors in government continue to do doing business deals while in government with foreign governments. You see, these things, there are such things, I don't know, Hatch Act, I'm not certain. So I have not analyzed, uh, Mark, all of those complaints, but I will say this, those poised to bring those challenges are not playing because they had, but for the fact that we had a commander in chief who had the immunity temporarily while sitting in the White House, I believe if it had been anyone else, they would have proceeded um, quite you know, comfortably with some of the litigation. So I do think that they have, I'm sure they have lawyered up for that. I'm sure they have legal teams that are right now poised to defend some of that because it's done. It's Biden Harris. Do whatever you say, but come, you know, January 21st, 22nd, Biden Harris going to be in the White House. Somebody's going to be escorted out. I don't know. It might be funky. It might be ugly. It might not be pleasant, but it's over. That's what's going to happen. We may not, we might have a divided country. That's unfortunate. But they're going out and Biden Harris are coming in. And then we have to rebuild our nation, the soul of our nation, and turn to each other. Because see, right now, if you're in a state like Georgia, you're looking over your shoulder. You don't know who's what because of the of the of the climate that it has created. Um, runoffs. So, and, and a lot of people in other places are looking over their shoulders and not knowing what's what. But we have to heal and turn to each other at some point because this is one country. Right. And it shouldn't right. turn on, you know, it, 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 we've just gotten to a point where, where we are now engaged in things that I think are not healthy and constructive. I think about my children. You know, I, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if you have kids, but we are, we are um, equipped to handle issues. Because we, I've been a lawyer for 33 years. I've, I'm equipped to handle issues. I've lived, I've made mistakes, I've done things. I've been a trial lawyer for a long time. I've practiced with some of the best lawyers in the world. I've had the pleasure of working with Reverend Jesse Jackson for 32 of my 33 years. I had so many blessings. I'm equipped. And it's tough for all of us. But my children, 16 and 18 years old, they are not equipped. And when they step out the door, they already have a target on their back. See, they're not equipped for what is happening right now in Georgia. Nobody's equipped, but our children are the least equipped to deal with that. My sons were stopped by the police about a month and a half ago. Yes. While they were driving to school, they were headed to, they're doing virtual learning, but they play varsity football. So they were going to practice for no reason. They were stopped by the police. They were driving my vehicle, which is like, you know, some kind of tie in, maybe something sports utility, and they were stopped by the police. And I tell you, when I tell you I had my phone and I felt the worst, the worst three minutes of my life, because both my sons, I only have two children, were in the car, both of them. And we we talked in family. So your friend Sid, he has two sons too. We talked about this because what could have happened in my heart, I just prayed. I said, God, don't let this be my narrative, please. Mm. Let my children survive. But I can tell you at that moment, I felt that there was probably a 50% chance that they would not survive that unscathed. And so when I tell you um, there's so much at stake 
and so much that we have to rebuild, we have got to rebuild. We have got to have police reform in this country. We have, how about let's just have a cure for COVID, mm-hmm. killing, destroying our communities. Yeah, yeah. So um, we have a lot of work to but, do. But thank God, praise God that your sons were okay. So there was no, they weren't charged with anything. They were just stop. I don't know if we stopped by driving black. I don't know what, if they were in a, they were in a vehicle that, um, often is a victim of, you know, theft in urban areas. I don't know if they saw two black boys because, you know, they, they're just two black boys driving a car, driving a vehicle. But the thing is that we've always talked them. Everybody talks about the talk. It's not the talk. It's everyday living. It's not like one talk. It's everyday living. Yeah. And we must talk to our men, young men and women. They've been hearing this since they were five or four before they could even properly compose a sentence. Because everybody's had that talk in our family, your family, because that's part of living if you're black in America. But when it happens to you and and in a snap second, your family could be just destroyed because that's what it was. It's just not play play. It's not play play. So, you know, I have a lot of passion. I have a lot of, um, uh, how do you say, energy good, uh, and to do and to serve, you know, it's such a uh, honor for me to be chair of the Board of Rainbow Push Coalition. I've worked with Reverend for 32 years. I never knew that I would have the honor of serving in this way and being part of, of social justice engineers, um, you know, the National Bar and Rainbow Push. But this is where I am. And my passion emanates from what I've been exposed to and where I am today. And when we look at the next generation, they have a lot on their plate. They're afraid. And we have to equip them. And it's up to us to make it better. We can do it. That's why the senatorial race is so important. We need the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. We need the John Lewis Voter Rights Act. We need affordable health care. We need immigration reform. We need, we need, we need. But none of that will happen if we are gridlocked. And if things, if, if, if the status quo remains, it's going to be very, very difficult. Well, maybe very difficult. So that's, that's, and when I say we, I mean this country, the global. Yeah, I, agree. I agree. I agree. Um, yes, you, your energy and your power are evident and we're so thankful for you. Um, I'd like to think, you know, as we say in, 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 in the church, every round goes higher and higher. Yes. So we saw what happened with Stacey in 2018. We see now what's happening in 2020. So I'm I'm encouraged. Yes. More and more Georgians and black Georgians are getting out to vote. Got to do it one more time, y'all. Yep. Now, and it's sooner than you think, because if I'm not mistaken, mail-in ballots are available for the January piece, November 18th. I read that. So that's right. next week. The deadline to be registered in Georgia is December 7th. Folks, friends and family, call them and those of you in Georgia, those of you outside of Georgia. The only thing we need to talk about, don't talk about Christmas or holidays and nothing else if you don't include a conversation about getting that vote out in Georgia. It's absolutely necessary. And as C.K. Hoffler talked about the thousands of black trial attorneys at the ready trial There's a Supreme Court justice. What they say, she's never even tried a case. So again, this is important in terms of diversity in the judicial system. We don't need unqualified um, 
our dialogues on federal benches. Right. We people like C.K. Hoffler and other, and I'm not saying C.K. is looking for that. What I'm saying is there's a pool of right. qualified and diverse attorneys, black and other people of color, that were overlooked for four mm -hmm. years by this administration and by the majority leader of the Senate, which is what we're targeting right now, the Senate. Those people were not given, and those are lifetime appointments. So when she talks about her children and my children and being stopped by the police, you want people in law enforcement on the bench that look like our children. That is what we must have if we're supposed to be safe and protected and who will uphold our voting rights and let us keep that umbrella as Justice uh, Ginsburg said. So all of that is important. She is the president of the National Bar Association, chair of the Boy of the Rainbow Push Coalition. Uh, so we know both two of our legacy organizations are in very good hands with my guest and so glad to have her, President C.K. Hoffa. C.K., thank you so much for joining us here on Make It Plain. Thank you. Mark, can I just leave you with one expression? Please. I Please. love the Portuguese expression. And as you know, the in, in some of the countries in Africa, Portuguese countries, they decolonized and meaning they were under the rule of the colonial powers. And so when they were decolonizing in the 60s and 70s, there was an expression in the Portuguese that came out of it. And it's, it's as follows. A luta continua. Vitória is certa. Let me repeat it. A luta continua. Victoria Incepta. What does that mean? The struggle continues. So we are in the struggle. We're in it. That's the first part. The second part is so critical. Victoria Incepta. Victory is certain. Mm. Mm. That's right. Our revolutionary sister. Well, you know, just a little something. Queen. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I just leave it at that. Those who don't know, those who don't know find out. That's but right. that's where we are. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Queen and President C.K. Hoffler of the National Bar Association, chair of the board of the Rainbow Push Coalition. C.K., thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, subscribe. And wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. 
all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.